What's up, everybody? You got Iris Burton and Andrew Vos bringing you Success Direct podcast. We talk about real life events, our opinions. We go on rants once in a while. We give zero shits what anybody thinks. We just accept our opinion. Our opinions matter, right? And if we have guests on, their opinions matter at the time that they're on our show because we want to hear it, especially if it's different than ours, because this is an open forum. And that's what matters is that we all have a voice. And if you think this can provide some value, like, share, comment. And if you create a meme of us, please tag us so we get some clout on social media. But we got a special guest here today. Well, two of them. I'm always surrounded by beautiful women. But we got uh, Tasha Chang here out of Austin, Texas. Well, she she'll probably going to correct me. What's it called? Maynard, Texas? It's Maynard, Texas, but nobody knows about it. So I just say Austin because everyone's like, oh, I know Austin. So yeah. I'm 15 minutes away. So it's cool. Oh, yeah. Enough. You're basically Austin. And, you Literally. know, keeping keep Austin weird, right? So um, <laughs> she is an uber successful um, woman, right? But let's not put her in a box, human being, right? So um, <laughs> she's got a bunch of kids. She's crushing business. She's an arms dealer. She's going to talk a little <laughs> bit about that. Um, and she's really successful in the community and real estate. So Tasha, we just want to hear your story because when I first heard it, I was like, damn, she's doing a lot of stuff. I thought I was busy. I thought Iris is busy, but no, I think you're probably the busiest, even if you combined us two together. So we would just <laughs> love to hear about it. So, so basically uh, it kind of goes. Yeah, it goes back. Uh, so I I left home when I was 12 years old. And I was homeless at that time. And then I ended up getting married. And then uh, my husband just tried to control me. And I, I can't deal with that. So I started a company. And, um, and so that that's kind of where it sky, skyrocketed from there. I just started one company after the other. The very first company I started was a landscaping company. And um, that one kind of took off for a little bit. I ended up giving it to, to my ex-husband to run, and then he sold the, all the equipment. I went on to buy a bar and then uh, sold my position out of that after a few years just because there was a lot of few issues with that. Um, but really, my, my entrepreneurial spirit stemmed from my father. Uh, my father owned several different companies. Uh, he was a chiropractor by trade. That was where he made his money um, you know, on, on a regular basis. But he built his wealth on real estate. Um, and he always trained me that if you're going to build wealth, you have to buy and, um, and sell real estate. Uh, so basically what he would do, um, I, I eventually left my husband and he uh, let me stay in his vacant houses. And he was like, you, you know, you, you can't get anything for free in this world. You have to earn every single thing, even though you're my daughter. And at the time I was 14 years old and I had my son and he was like, well, let me teach you. Let, let me teach you how to build a house. So I learned how to renovate houses, uh, learned how to market them at the time. And then I didn't have a real estate license and I was underage to get one. So I also had a regular full-time job at the same time. So I was always multitasking from, from a child, basically. And that kind of stemmed into my adulthood as well, where now I, I run multiple companies. Um, <laughs> I just, I run a team of agents. Um, I did own a gun company. I sold my position out of Force Productions. I'm still friends with the owners of it. We still do do business. If you guys need connections, you guys need any guns, just let me know. You need ammo, you guys let me know. I got the hookups for all of that. Um, 
that business lasted for about three years. Um, a company came in to buy us out, so I sold my position. And then um, really, I went into real estate. Um, at that time, I had a full-time job working at Rooms to Go selling furniture, and I was also running the company on my uh, on my evenings, basically. And then Mark Minshew came in, and he was, at the time, he was the, the biggest broker in the state of Texas um, and, and the city of Austin. He owned Remax. Uh, he would come in and he'd buy all the furniture from me. And he was like, you're the only person who can get me to buy all the accessories, everything that I didn't come in to buy. I came in for a chair for a love seat and I leave with a house full of furniture. He's like, you should be selling bigger ticket items. And at that time, I was fine making eight, ten thousand a month. And then he was like, you should be making real money and make, make 20, 40,000 a month. So that's eventually what I ended up doing. I got my real estate license and I haven't looked back. All right. So I want to talk about something because I actually didn't know that you had. So you had your first child at 14? Yes. Holy shit. All right. That's awesome. That's probably, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, nowadays it may be frowned upon, but you got to start. Now the kids are out of the house. You're still super young. Now you can just like, it's basically you just live life. You reproduce. You brought some incredible other human beings into the world. That's awesome. How, yeah. Uh, yeah. So my first son. What was so, that experience? So, so my, the experience I would say was very hard. There was, uh, I'm a very prideful person and I refuse to ask for help from anyone. Um, and so we were homeless for a little bit and I, I am so proud, proud that I refused to go back to my husband. He provided everything. He was very wealthy. And honestly, that made me nervous that he had so much money and that meant he had all the control over everything. He could do anything he wanted. And I found out he had a girlfriend, uh, because she came to me letting me know that she was pregnant and I was, I had just found out I was pregnant. So I was like, okay, you guys stay together. I'm out. And so I left. And then I took my son because I didn't want my son growing up in that type of environment, thinking that that is what a man should be, that that, that is normal for a man. Um, I myself am not a man, so I can't teach him to be that way. So I, I got married again and uh, was hoping that guy would be a good father figure, which, you know, he's a good father, very good father, wasn't a good husband. But that was fine. All I needed him to do was watch the kids and I went to work. So I was married for 17 years, took care of the kids. Um, I <laughs> had three kids all together. You know, I had my first son with my first husband. Uh, we were married for 90 days. And then my second husband, we were married for 17 years. Um, I had two kids with, with him. I adopted both of my sisters when they were one and two years old. I was 17 years old at the time. Um, but that was because my mother had lost custody of, of them. And that's, that's just a whole long story on its own because she's just, you know, she, she's an amazing person, but she didn't know what she didn't know. You know, she just didn't have the correct resources at the time. You know, she had her own life life issues she was dealing with and raising kids just wasn't going to fit in that equation at the time. So I, I took on that responsibility. Luckily, I had, you know, a, an amazing guy who was willing to not work, but, but provide all the, the care for all five kids. You know, I just kept collecting kids and then providing for everybody. Um, but that, because I kept getting more kids, um, that forced me to make more money. Yeah. Um, Iris, do you have any questions for her? I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit her with some, if you don't. Yeah, no, those are good questions. Um, 
because I have five kids too, but we're a blended family. I only birthed two of them myself, but your kids do Let motivate. Me know if you want some? What's that? Oh, no. <laughs> Let oh, me know if you want some. <laughs> I'm <am> so good. <laughs> they're they're hard work. I mean, kids are they're a blessing, but they're they're a lot of work and money. But um, so I just thinking about like all your experiences, like how did you? like continue to keep moving forward? Like what motivated you, probably your kids, I'm sure, because that's how it is for me, uh, to just like push through all that adversity and still come out and be successful and alike. To me, in in my opinion, I had a choice. You know, I, I was a teenager when I had them. So obviously all of my friends, I would see them going out, parties, drinking, you know, living like a normal teenage life. And I was, I was at the library studying. I was working three jobs. Um, I that's all I ever did was work, <laughs> and so um, I just quickly found figured out that any job that I worked where it was nine to five, they they expect me to work around their schedule, and that wasn't conducive to taking my kids to school, taking them to practice. I was never going to be able to make it to their basketball games, to the volleyball games. I'm I was missing everything working a nine to five job. So my solution was. Look to my father. I never had a close relationship with him, but I respected him as a businessman. He put his family last. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't about family. It was all about business. And so I just tried to take all the best traits from him, uh, entrepreneurial wise, and implement that in my own life so that I was my own boss. You know, I made my own schedule. Even when uh, the reason why I was successful at Rooms to Go, I literally got fired every other week. And then the general manager would call me back. He's like, I'm going to see you back tomorrow. I saw your termination uh, papers go to my desk um, from Jose, from your, your direct supervisor, for not showing up for this meeting or not showing up for that meeting or leaving early. But you are still the highest volume salesperson in our company. So I will see you tomorrow at whatever time you get here. And I didn't work nine to five. I, you, I worked 100% commission. So in my opinion, you work for me. You know, I will put a, I will make my schedule around mm -hmm. my kid's life and I will book my show, my not why well, I called it showing back then, even though it was on furniture, but I'll book my clients on my schedule, show them that the, the property, so, uh, the, the furniture sell to them and then I'm leaving and then I got to go deal with my kids. So that's, yeah. what, that's how I did everything. <laughs> that's how I got into real estate because Mark Minshew was like, well, you don't have regular hours. You just. Do exactly what you're already doing, and you're just going to sell bigger ticket items. I think that's important um, as like entrepreneurs that we understand that um, when we own a business, our employees are our 1099, right? We essentially work for them. Um, a lot of people, including myself, I've got it backwards sometimes. Sometimes I I've thought about like. Why don't they work as hard as me? Why aren't they building the company the same way I want it done? Or why aren't they, sh why aren't they working? Uh, why aren't they up drinking beer with me until like midnight building out emails and doing like random stuff and sending out? Why can't I get someone to check an email, you know? And really it's just backwards. It's like you said it, we work for them, right? We can't expect yes. them to work as hard as, um, Iris and I actually have a really good example of that. Um, her and I used to work together, you know, and she didn't own um, any of Prosperity Group, but essentially 
you know, she was doing the same stuff, if not more at times than we were doing. Right. And that's not fair. Right. That's like terrible. Like that's on me. That's terrible on me. That's terrible on uh, the other owners and stuff like that. So I've lived it firsthand on both sides and I've seen both perspectives and yeah, hundred percent. Um, all right. So, um, you're, you're slinging furniture and how did you get into, cause you also in the CBD industry, right? And <laughs> I so, own two companies. So guns, weed, and <laughs> slinging anything else. Okay. It, it's not weed. Okay. It's, it's, oh it's Delta. I know. I'm just Delta <laughs> Yeah, so, I'm just because weed isn't legal in the state of Texas, but but I work uh, where it is legal. Um, so yes, I own two different CBD companies, uh, Delta, Delta Eight uh, companies as well. Um, I run the marketing for each of those companies. Um, I do own a water company. Um, I, I wrote, I authored uh, five different books. Um, I sell those as well. Um, I train and mentor my agents. But really, my, my bread and butter right now is primarily real estate because that, that's my main focus. Everything else is just a, kind of like a side hustle, even, even the CBD, just because it's so um, such a mainstream topic right now, especially in the state of Texas, where it's kind of borderline legal. And we're just, we're just trying to hide under the, the radar right now and just capitalize as much as we can currently on that. Um, but yeah, I, I would say going back to, to your question, um, again, Iris, what, what pushed me to, to do that, you know, so young is, you know, I kind of grew up without either one of my parents, you know, I grew up in foster care, I was always in and out. So like the whole reason why my mom lost custody of her daughter, she had lost custody of me and my brother too. And so I just wanted to make sure that my kids never saw that. And my sisters never saw experienced life like that. And so yeah, I I could have gone the same route as her, you know, or or any of my friends and not, you know, just put myself first. But I don't think putting yourself first literally benefits yourself. It's only going to benefit uh, you temporarily short term. Um, and long term, if you're investing in everyone else around you, that's just going to come back for you. That's just going to bring more positives for you. Um, these other companies, I literally start all of these companies for each of my kids. So I have to have five companies so that I leave for one of my kids, each of them. So I build these up for them. That's awesome. So and that's my why. So I love it. I love it. Um, so I'm actually revisioning. I'm like rewriting out my why. So my coach is like, yeah, we need to realign you, you know, because I've had like, they say things come in threes. I actually think that's bullshit. I think they come in like fives and sixes and sevens now. <laughs> Because the more shit I got going on, it's like, boop, 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 boop. it's like a domino effect. And I'm like, huh. And then you start to think like, is it me? You know, right? Because you start to go back to your, like my old, like your old way of thinking. And really, um, so anyways, the why part is really, really good. I actually had a, a long conversation with Damien <laughs> last night where I I was, I was myself, you know, I struggle myself with with my own you know confidence and my and my problem is i'm hardest on myself and i feel like you probably lost your train of thought because you are maybe the same way you probably have the same mentality when you're a leader that is your job is to lead but the minute that you feel lost and you feel like you're failing everyone around you 
you're hardest on yourself. And that's when you shut down. I know that's when I shut down because I feel like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Okay, my agents are struggling paying their bills. They're struggling with this. I provide the Zillow leads. I provide the training. So that falls back on me. Am I not training you, per, you know, correctly? Am I not providing the things that you need to succeed, right? Because in, in order for them to succeed, I have to be their backbone. So what, what, where are my shortfalls, you know? And so I completely understand your mentality on that. And yeah, I do feel like everything comes in threes. You know, you're, you're going to fail three times and then you're going to get up the fourth time, right? Or you're going to, you're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. You're going to succeed. Something's going to get fucked up, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's always, there's always something. And it, unfortunately we're dealing with human beings, you know, nobody's perfect and nobody's ever going to have all the answers. And I can tell you right now, um, I, I always am someone who wants to have all the answers. When I say I, I don't know, when I have to give the answer, I don't know, that, that is unacceptable to me. And that's, that's something that I struggle with. And, and I kind of shut down because I'm like, why, why did I not know that? How, how can I help, help this? And then that, all that means is I need to reach out to somebody who's already done it, you know, who, who knows more than me. Yeah. Um, so I know where I was going with that. So you said something that, you know, um, uh, that you can't really focus on, like, you can't be all about you. Um, I do feel that is important, but you can only do that is if you can help yourself, because if you're trying to help yourself and help other people, it's going to be a disaster, right? You got to help yourself first. That's why on the airplane, they say, don't put someone else's mask on first, put your mask on and then help another person. Because if you're like exactly. struggling with oxygen and you're trying to put your kid's mask on, you know, so I'm a firm believer that like investing in yourself. Um, and one of my mentors, he actually just talked about talked about it the other day on the Limitless call we had uh, Jefferson Santos that he puts in if he makes a million dollars a year he's putting 10% back into his personal and professional growth and his development, which I love. And I've kind of got, I've, I've done that, like, but I haven't been so consistent with it throughout the years. Like I'll do it like maybe half the year and then I'll get busy. Right. Or I'll like just neglect it for a period of time. And then I'll try to cram it all back in and be like, all right, if I just get all the personal and professional development in the month of November, it will set me up for the whole year of 2023 or 24, whatever year we're in and going into. But, but see, that, that, that's not being consistent, though. So you're, you're yeah, going to do no, it, you're gonna cram it all at once. And then yeah. after 30 days, you're going to lose that. Yeah. So really, you, it really has to be consistent, you know, and and I'm, I'm the worst at doing that. I'm very similar. I'm, I'm, I, I have that mentality, too. Like, oh, I have time to take these courses that's going to um, improve on my skills so that I can relate that information to everybody else. Um, but then I forget. And then I do it once, then three to four months go by. And then, then I hit another snag and I'm like, Oh, I'm failing everybody again. I'm failing. But I, I'm not failing everybody. I just didn't stay consistent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, consistency is key. Um, I've been a lot more consistent lately, right? Because I go through phases. Like it'll be like, 90 days, super consistent. And then something happens and I get like, you know, in a little rut and then I come back up, but it's always looking like, like the stock market, right? You got dips and up, yes. but it's always going up. Uh, regardless of what people say, where the stock market is, it always goes up. Um, just has a couple like pitfalls. How do you feel about that? That is that, a Iris? perfect analogy. I'm yeah, sorry. Was, no, 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 I just, 
Yeah, it's yeah. hard, right? It's hard to but, be. Consistent. I mean, with self development, I do it every single day. I can say because I love it. Like I'm always wondering, like what people are up to and what's the next thing or what how I can do better. Because I I just feel like the more you know, the more you grow. But yeah, but in other areas of my life, like weight loss or relationships, that's where I'm more kind of like erratic in that. What do you uh, mean relationships? I want to hear this part. Well, I mean, just like friendships or no, 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 no. That's always good. No, that's... It's all, it's like 95% always. No, but me. I mean, mostly oh, just like know. clients, friends. I'm horrible because I'm always working. I feel like I'm always working. I want to focus on building my relationship with my kids. Um, you know, just my colleagues. I just suck at that. And being more present because so, I'm always thinking about work all the I time. I do have a question for y'all. How do you guys, as women, how do you guys build, like, like how do you guys date? What I find, dating is, fun. well, you don't date now, but how do you stay consistent in your marriage, right? And then Tasha, I know you're currently off the market, but I'm sure you've dated prior to, how do you guys find time to date? And how do you prioritize, like, dating over business because I much rather make money than fucking go spend money at a dinner that may or may not work out. Even if the woman's gorgeous and if we have a shot of a happy ending and all this stuff, but I just, you know, I just, it's hard, especially me being a single dad. Say, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say, especially touching on, on Iris and, and, you know, both of your questions, um, I have the similar, very similar problems that you have, Iris. My my business life is is flourishing because that's where my focus is. Um, I have three divorces because I I don't care. Like, I mean, if you can keep up with me, then then come on. But I'm not going to stop doing everything I'm doing. Um, the problem with with my last husband was, you know, he he didn't make as much money as me. He was an accountant. He had a nine to five job. He only made like sixty thousand a year. Whereas my job is. Uh, 24 seven, you know, and I, I run many different companies and these companies take me, um, including my nonprofit, take me all over the world. So every month I may be home two weeks out of the month. Right. And so that is not very conducive to having a stable relationship. So for me, it's easier to cut ties with them and then to move on with business. Okay. All right. But you just recently found yourself in a relationship. Is that and, and yes. this is the first time I dated somebody in the same industry. And so I'm hoping that that would he would he is in the same industry as I am. So I feel like he understands the needs of of always working of entrepreneurship. And it seems like he has the same mentality. It's not uh, someone who who they start their, their day, day at 8, 8 a.m. and then they end at four or five. And then they expect my day to end there too. It doesn't end. It's twenty four seven. I have I have agents in in Hawaii who sometimes I have to be on a Zoom call at four a.m. because that's when when their time zone is. You know, my 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 time doesn't stop at five p.m. and and if that's what somebody needs, then I can't be that person. Yeah, I uh, my day. Oh, did we lose Iris? My goal is to work from like nine to five that's what i'm trying to get to but i'm trying to create that um where i don't know how to do that yeah i 
I struggle with it too, but I also found myself getting burned out. And then when I was getting burned out, I would try to work through the burnout rather than taking a real vacation. And really my performance during the burnout, it was, I think it was higher than an average person, but I could tell that I wasn't operating at my highest. So now I'm trying to figure out how to turn all these businesses into where I'm the owner and there's no operator. Oh God, this person keeps calling. No operator in from me in the business, if that makes sense. So that's what I try to do. Um, and that, that's typically where I have been successful within the last couple of years. It's been kind of a struggle because um, each of my key players are now having uh, their own relationship issues. And, um, and so that's kind of uh, uh, putting more back on my plate for, to handle for them since they can't handle it at the time. So it's just, it's life is all about a balancing act. I think I just have to find more key people who can handle that or get them refocused back on business and hopefully they fix their relationship problems. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm hoping that the, the, the new relationship that I am would, would be more conducive to allowing me to continue to work and not trying to get me to stop. So <laughs> how, um, how do you pick the people to like fill the positions? Like how do you go about the hiring and firing process? I'm quick at firing. Um, I the uh, hiring she came right out the gate with that. Y'all are fired. Quick at firing. I I am. I you. It's either to rip off the bandaid and move on, you know, to the to the next deal. Um, uh, for for me, typically, it, it rather than trying to retrain someone, right? Um, if you're not, if your head isn't committed, then I can't force you to be that way. And I don't believe um people change unless they choose to. And if they wanted to, they would do it on their own, you know, and so I can't make them do it. And so my struggle is trying to get them to stay focused on on the task at hand that is needed so that we can all succeed together. Um, I try to find people who are more business minded, um, who are focused on succeeding, who have the same um, whys, who have the same motivation because they're hungry to get fed, Um, not someone who is I'm only going to put in the minimum effort. And then I'm not going to hear from them after 3 p.m., you know, because they're playing video games the rest of the day. Shoot, invite well, me. I'll play works. video games for about 30 minutes. That's <laughs> all my attention span can handle. Do you do you W2 them or 1099? 1099. Everybody's 1099. Okay. And why'd you go that route versus the W2? Just so you could have more of that business structure? Yes, yes. It's just easier because um, most of my businesses are 1099, um, so it's easier for accounting <laughs> and let them handle their own taxes. Yeah. Um, well, they tend find... to be more motivated when they're 1099. Yeah. Or yeah. they don't, or they didn't realize what they're getting their ass into and then they quit really quick, So, which is good. Where a right. W-2 employee, it's harder to fire them in some scenarios, right? Or they don't leave on their own because they got that security of a paycheck. So now they're just doing like a 50%, like a half-assed job. Right. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. So you, so you run, so we're going over 30 minutes, but it's fine. So you run, I'm going to, I always screw this up and you always correct me, which is great. I appreciate being corrected. You are the vice president chair, soon to be president chair of the, Asian, Asian Real Estate Association of America. 
Okay. How is that? That's got like 50,000 members, right? Yeah. Um, we, we have 46,000 members right now. We're constantly, well, the last time I, uh, last year we had 46,000 members. So we're probably closer to 50 now. Um, that takes up a lot of my time, to be honest. Um, it keeps me on the road traveling, um, globally within the United States. I'm also, um, a member of tree pack, uh, which is, it's a, a Texas le legislation. Um, we, we basically are, are lobbyists. And so I do lobbying on behalf of ARIA as well. Um, so every May we go to the state capitol and we um, lobby for mortgage reform, for fair housing. Um, right now we're, we're fighting against a few bills um, and trying to pre we're presenting a few bills we would like the House to, uh, to present and, and push forward to limit the... Uh, limit how much each homeowner can have an increase in their taxes every year with the inflation that we have. And um, we were successfully able to get an increase in, in the homestead tax exemption um, so that they were able to get um, a percentage more um, reduced from their taxes. But I mean, it, obtaining home ownership is very important because that is what builds generational wealth. You know, if your parents passed away, most likely they're leaving you with maybe a, a life insurance policy, but most likely they're leaving you with a house that you, you and your family member would be able to split, move into, rent out, or whatever as an asset. When my kids went to college, I bought each of them a house, right? And so they were they, they could rent that house out, they could uh, sell it, they could mortgage it, they could utilize the equity to pay for their expenses. When I divorced, I lost all those houses. But <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that creates gener generational wealth. And so my key is to, to just promote more and more home ownership in a climate where there's companies like BlackRock who are basically, I mean, the, the, most of the, this is getting more politics, but most, most of the key members are owned, um, or live in China, which I, I think is a problem. They're buying yeah. the houses here in the U.S., including farmlands, trying to control the food. Um, I have a problem with that. I lobby against that. And I don't think that they should be able to own um, um, land that much land here. I love so it. So I, I fight against that. Yes, fuck them, and they're idiots. So I. So did you guys know that Compass? Um, I mean, they're probably going to be bankrupt or be bought by Rheology. But did you know that most of their money, three hundred million dollars, is from China? Yeah, yeah. Well, Fargo is about to falter as well. I believe they're um, they're definitely struggling with uh, retaining. They're, they're fine. I, I, I've heard that they, they've been losing people's deposits, like they're checking the account deposits because what they're doing is they're, they're relending that money out, but they're not getting enough money in to replace it at the moment. So they may be next as well. Yeah. And, you know, actually, so a bank can't go bankrupt. I was reading an article, a bank can't go bankrupt. What happens is the government takes it over and the FDIC and they, then the FDIC comes in and they control everything and manage all the assets. It's actually crazy. So when, when the whole, the whole conversation that the bank of America got bought out or, or whatever, they got like help right in 2007 to 2009, yeah. it was actually bullshit because the government was going to, was going to have to step in anyways. So really all it did was, save the CEO's paychecks, save the CEO, all the executives save their paychecks. Plus, you know, it. the only thing it did, right, 
in my opinion, was save everybody's jobs that worked at Bank of America. That's it. Look, right? What I, in my opinion, all it did was give them bonuses. They didn't need to have their jobs saved because at that point, the, each bank was borrowing at a 0% interest rate. They owed $0 on the interest that they were loaning out to us, charging uh, uh, seven or, or more percent. So, I mean, sometimes they're charging 16% to certain clients for certain loans. And so they're borrowing from the U.S. government at 0%. Now that amount has raised, which, of course, they're they're putting that back onto the buyers. But yeah. th what did they need to bail out for if their, their money was loaned at 0%? That was just for money, money management on their yeah. own part because they're overpaying their CEOs. They have too much... I mean, just like there's too much government with too much overspending, the banks have the same thing. They, they have too many people in too many places that they have sought that overpriced salaries for that they're trying to cover instead of loaning the money out to the consumers who then stimulate the economy and keep those businesses going. Instead of instead of getting a bailout from the company, they should have sent that, uh, given these loans to maybe uh, consumers at a 1%, the, the bank itself would have still earned a 1% profit on that maybe one and a half percent, kept it at that, loaned out more money. And just by nature, people will go buy cars, buy houses, you know, buy boats. But by doing that, they're stimulating the economy. That would have been more beneficial for the U.S. people than handing the banks money who are just going to give it to their CEOs and buy yachts. So what you're saying is we need to become CEOs of these companies. Yes, we need okay. to take over the world. Pinky in the brain. Uh, no, I like it. I mean, you're extremely smart. You know what you're talking about. Um, when I first heard that banks make nine times off our money. So if I put $100,000 in the bank, they're making $900,000 off my money. That is insane. And then they're loaning that money out again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that money is just printed. I, I was talking. Okay. So when I, the last time I was in Congress, I was in the waiting room with these bankers who were also had appointments with, with Ted Cruz's office too. And I was talking to one of the bankers about the, the, the fiat money. He's like, Oh yeah. Oh, the U S currency is fiat money. He, he goes, there, there is no, there's nothing backing it. There is no gold tied to it. There is nothing that is tied to it. We, we print out digital currency. There's not even paper money that's sent out. It's just numbers in the system. And we, we print it out and that is what's creating inflation. The only place that inflation can be created is through the government, through overspending, through uh, creating money that's back to nothing. If we back it to, to gold, if we tie it to something that is a viable source, well, then that's actual currency. But currently we have fiat currency that's kind of gotten out of control. Yeah. And I, I, think overspending. I do think the time to attach it to gold has sailed. I think um, that's why I don't think the government and they're not acting fast enough. I actually think that they could tie it to um, a software technology, you know, blockchain, cryptocurrency and all that. Because um, a lot of people are like, oh, Bitcoin's just money, right? It's like, a, no, it's actually a, a software technology. So it could, it's probably going to be the 12th pillar of the financial world industry and all that. But one day we already right. have the U.S. Fed coin. So the U.S. government already has digital currency right now. They're paying five percent interest on it. They've they've cut that off. They've cut off the interest payments on it. I was actually invested in it for a while because they are changing it due to the uh, FTX, the collapse of FTX, because they are highly funded through FTX as well, which is yeah, really. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah. 
and, and what they're trying to do, what, what the U.S. government's trying to do is right. limit the use and the capabilities of Bitcoin. They're trying to, to if you notice, um, there's, I don't know if I'm supposed to be talking about this part, but uh, cut it off if you need to. But I mean, over the last year, year and a half, I would say over the last 18 months, there's been several billionaires and millionaires who are founders of cryptocurrencies who have been suicided who have been murdered, who disappeared, they're on the run. Yeah. Why is that? It's because the different governments are trying to get rid of, of uh, self-guided uh, currencies where, where are, they, they aren't in control over it. That's why they have all these IRS agents who are armed now, who are going to uh, look at every single deposit, $600 or more, that's going in and out of your account. Well, my, my account, I don't do anything smaller than $600 a month, so I'm going to be audited all the damn time. You know, but if it's on a blockchain and they can't trace it, how can they manage you? How can they monitor that? You know, yeah. so they're trying to to control the system. And then we would only be able to use the U.S. Fed point, which is worthless right now. Yeah, um, I personally um, I need to watch how I say this. So I personally love that I, I'll probably never use the U.S. Fed coin. Because there's other ways that I could move around life and systems and processes. Like I'm out to dinner in LA with my buddy Tuan and we get done with dinner and I'm like, I got, I got the bill. Don't worry, Tuan. He's like, well, let me just send you some money for it. Right. I'm like, okay, just send whatever you want. And I was like, all right, here's my Venmo. He's like, no, send me your USDT wallet address. And him and I've been around crypto since 2016. So we're very familiar. We're like, I could pick up any wallet and move, right? Like, it's not like some people, there's a little bit of a learning curve, but not. So I just open up my wallet. He scans my address, sends me the money. Now I have a card that I can move around. I can go spend that money. The, the transaction fees, depending on the exchange or the card service that you use is still minimal. It's a lot higher than what we're used to working in the, uh, I don't know, the fiat industry. It's like fiat slash digital since it's not actually real money um, at this point. But um, so it's very, very interesting that you could, if you wanted to, you could move around the industry or you could move around life and not spend one US dollar. Like if yeah. you wanted to, because now like uh, states like Colorado, they accept crypt cryptocurrency for tax payments. Mm -hmm. That's crazy, right? Colorado. Yeah. And it's really Florida, but Colorado's starting to jump on board where you can do crypto wallet transactions. Like you can. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Like Florida's are the pioneer in it. In Colorado, they just did a 1.2 million or something. Iris, correct me if I'm wrong. It was like a, it was one in Denver. It was over a million bucks. They did a crypto wallet transaction and the title insurance. They were able to do it. They were able to get title insurance. They didn't need a loan. They didn't need a mortgage. You can't do mortgages yet, right? Yeah. But it's crazy. I think everything, we're going to see a lot of stuff unfold in the next 18 and 24 months that people are either going to be on board with or they're going to be left behind on. It's going to be very, very interesting. There's already countries right now, I'm trying to look up which ones they were, where they're no longer accepting the digital currency, the U.S. currency at all and so we are right now we're becoming obsolete you know china is taking over uh, dominant countries with uh with prominent resources that we need like gold 
silver, uranium, copper, um, primarily on the African uh, countries of Saudi Arabia, Russia, they are all company or they are all working together with them. And that is going to pose a threat. It, it is posing a threat to the U.S. dominance, and which means we are no longer going to be the leader. So we need to move further and further away from dependency on the U.S. dollar, especially since they are trying to um, get rid of the oil industry right now. Yeah. I mean, did you guys watch the um, State of the Union that Biden put on the other day? It was. Yes. It, it was just like... And I'm not saying watch the memes. Not don't watch the things that were cut up by the right side. I'm because we know. I know I'm not ignorant enough to believe that there's no like extremists on both sides. I know that, right? So you need to go watch the actual State of Union. That dude is a fucking idiot. Every the shit that comes yeah. out of that dude's mouth, I'm like, God damn. Wonder why Ukraine is fucking getting taken over. Wonder why time. Like, it is insane. Wonder why we got fucking balloons floating around the United States just taking fucking surveillance. Yeah. You know, like, it's, I don't know. It's just just crazy that, well, for one, that we would let somebody that's basically, like, senile run a country. And then you have his, like, little minion sitting in the back that just cackles all the time. She can't even have, like, an important conversation without laughing in everybody's face. Um... But anyway, so yeah, China's taking over. We're gonna get fucked if they invade us. So we better like figure it out. Especially if they call their debts due, because China owns the uh, majority of the U.S. debt. I mean, we've already sold. Um, Hillary Clinton sold the uranium deposits that we had here to them and, and to Russia, actually, right? And then Ukraine is a breadbasket of the world. So. Once they cut us off from their grains, from you know, w- what are we going to do? India's already cut us off. They were the second largest provider of, of wheat grains, right? And then if China, who produces almost everything that we utilize here, technology-wise, our vehicles, our microchips, you know, if they decide to, to cut us off, that they, they want to be our enemy, what are we going to do, you know, at that point? Now, now we're fully dependent on them. And we, as the leader of, of the world, would then become a third world country. And people are not ready for that. No, no, I'll move. I'll move to like Costa Rica. I, I won't move. There's nobody you're gonna. There's nowhere you're gonna move to. Costa Rica is, is a part of the U.S. So <laughs> I don't care. But... I'd rather be in the jungle in Costa Rica <laughs> in my fucking treehouse, uh, living, surfing every day. I don't give a shit. So <laughs> that's ideally the lifestyle i would go for but logically speaking i would probably move to maybe sweden where it's a bit more um cold they're they're yeah it was not it's cold but they're they just have a a more stable economy ideally i would like to go to poland where they cut off people going in there or japan where they also cut cut off people going in there because they're the most peaceful and cleanliest um, country in the world with uh, very little violence but at some point, when uh, when they're the only sanctuaries, they're going to become the next U.S. You know, where everybody is trying to break into the borders, and then it's just a domino effect. So, in my opinion, it is st- stand your ground, stand here, and fight back. I mean, I'm stocked up on ammo. I don't think I have enough. Probably need about ten thousand more rounds. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can I can at least fend fend myself and daughter, but. Beyond that, I would probably just, I need more ammo. So we need to talk about that, Tasha. 
Um, I definitely need more ammo. We're, we're always, me and Sebastian, so the, Sebastian owns elite guns and we're, uh, he's so sweet because he's always like loading me up on ammo. He's like, you definitely need more. But um, yeah, I would definitely load up on ammo and guns. The problem is, is I, you know, I'm very Christian. You know, I, I, I believe the Bible word for word, you know, whether you do or don't, that that's up to you guys. But I know, you know, revelations, there's going to be a time where they're going to be at war. We're going to have to defend ourselves, but then they're going to take the gun. They're going to take away the power that we have, whether we, we did it, you know, uh, willfully or forcefully, right? They're going to have to do it forcefully with me. I can guarantee that. But at the same time, you have to be prepared for that. You know, you can't just give up and give in. Yeah. Well, we got to form maybe. alliances with people around us. You know, yeah, Mexico, a little village. Let's... I'm like, I'm, I'll call my ex-husband. He's got all the guns. Oh, I was like, <laughs> yeah. well, get a bunker. The problem, problem with Mexico. So Mexico was was a great ally of the U.S. for for years, years actually. Uh, now they have a, a they've been invited to the UN Council. The UN Council is really dominated by Chinese leaders right now, and they are helping other countries form alliances with China. So right now, Mexico has opened up trade for their wildlife, their animals, and some of their fruit to, to China. So right now, if you go into Mexico, I was just there a couple months ago. Um, the the dialect there for most of the owners is Asian. Like most of the, the owners in Mexico are Asian owners. They're, they're not just coming into the U.S. They're going to every single country to build allies and to, to take their resources to benefit them. Man, so all right, so let's let's close this up. I got a meeting at eleven, so um, and I need to like go jump around and get my energy up because I've been sitting in this chair like fucking hunched over. But so I need to do like t- Tony Robbins, like jump on my trampoline and shit. All right, so <laughs> since we we covered a lot of ground here, so this may actually be like two episodes, right? <laughs> all right, that'd be no, cool. I think two the episodes. longer the better. We'll see. Okay. All right. Um, so for any, any young or older woman out there, what, how, what do you recommend? You know, all right, Joanna just, I just picked random name. Joanna just had a baby and, you know, she's younger than, you know, society would like her to be, whatever. It don't really matter. Right. But what would you recommend? Like how, how she could, she keep taking steps forward? Like, where does she start? Just like. You know, just drop some nuggets for the young women. There was not one day that I did not work. So I worked throughout my entire pregnancy from the time I was 14, 16, and 18 years old. I was pregnant with each of my kids during those years. Took three days off to give birth to the kids. At the third day, I was back to work. Don't quit. You know, never always be productive. You know, there is no reason for a day to go by where you have nothing done. You have nothing on your agenda. And there's nothing on your agenda. Fill it up with tasks. You know, if you have to Google a worksheet on daily tasks and what I should do to, uh, to to accomplish one goal today, then do that. Pick up the phone and start cold calling people. You know, if, if it's to jumpstart your real estate business, call at all the uh, expired listings in the MLS or call up people who could potentially be a buyer. Go door knock. Uh, call up agents so you can have them join your team. I mean, just try to make the most out of every minute of every day. Everybody has 24 hours. So make sure you're utilizing every minute of that day because that's all we have till tomorrow. I love it. I love it. Do you, um, Iris, do you have anything? 
No, my internet has been horrible this most of the second half, but um, a right. lot of great information. Very bright, great. smart. I feel I mean, like I you think just you took your like knowledge book and just dumped it on here. Hey, just here's all everything I do. Here's all my knowledge. Yeah. Thank Pass you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, cool, cool. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. Um, anybody that's watching, how can they get in touch with you? So they can call me at 512-317-4116, or you can email me at T-O-S-H-A dot Chang, C-H-A-N-G at gmail.com. I'm always a phone call or text away. Love it. Love it. All right. So thank you for everybody that's watching this. If you think this could provide some value, like, share, comment, create a meme of us, reach out to us if you love, or if you know anybody that's high performing, that should be on the show. We'd love to have them on here. And uh, yeah, thank you again for your time. Thank you. Absolutely. Sorry it went so long. <laughs> oh, it's okay. No, it's okay. <laughs>